head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. What is up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Severe MMA podcast. Today's an interim episode. It's just me flying solo because uh, I wanted to get something out. We'll have another episode uh, in a couple of days, but this weekend has been absolutely insane altogether. Uh, Graham's actually away uh, in London at a concert. We were supposed to get the, the podcast done uh, this evening, but unfortunately my uncle passed away, so um, I, I won't be around for the next couple of days with the funeral and whatnot. So I said I'd get something out here. I have a spare 20 minutes, half an hour, uh, and I said I'd put something out straight away. Just to kind of review uh, of last night's UFC 239 card and talk through what I think of the fights. But myself and Graham will discuss it uh, again later on the week. Hopefully Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. Uh, and we'll review whatever cards are coming up next week. I haven't even looked at that to tell you the truth yet. But uh, I watched last night's card. Uh, anyway, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. I suppose, you know, the, the first thing was how many people in, in the UK and Ireland actually watched it with the pay-per-view. Um, there, was a, there was actually reports of a few problems with the pay-per-view as well because uh, I saw Niall McGrath and maybe a couple more people as well saying that the first fight never even came on. You know, they missed the whole first fight of the pay-per-view card, which is obviously very unfortunate. You know, Diego Sanchez, Michael Keza fight, that's a fight I suppose lots of people would have been looking forward to just to see kind of what Diego Sanchez was like and stuff like that. So that's one big issue. And another one, you know, I put out the poll uh, last night, I think there was around 3,000 people um, viewed it or, or 3,000 people voted on it and less than 10% of people said they were actually buying it. So that's, and, and you know, as Gray, if Graham was here, he'd probably say, yeah, but how many people watched it? You know, and I think it was 56% or something like that. People said they'd illegally stream it and another, you know, 15, 20 or whatever it was said that they would, uh, they'd stream it the next day or not watch. So that's, that's a big thing, you know, and <laughs> to me yesterday, I put out a tweet as well saying, um, who in the MMA media in America has covered this? Has there been much coverage? And a few people said no. And, you know, there was hardly no replies. I think the boys in the CME uh, covered it a little bit after getting the question. But that's, uh, to, to me, you know, uh, looking at that, and if if I was a fan looking at that, I'd be saying, who, who are the people backing me? Who are the people looking after my interests? Who are the people roaring and shouting? looking after uh, you know looking after what i i care about looking after my 25 quid that i have to pay on a saturday night that's what i've been thinking like who, who did that i did it in fairness not to blow my own trumpet now or anything but i did it and look wh- why were those people not doing imagine if that similar was happening in america a similar situation okay they have pay-per-view or whatever and it's a different perspective and that's another argument for another day but imagine if that situation was happening in america We'd be roaring out about it, you know. The people in America be roaring about. There'd be, you know, there would be a, an up in arms sort of thing, just like there was when the UFC pay per views went to uh, ESPN Plus, and they had, you know, they were all online, and there was a big, you know, issue about it. We spoke about that. We broke it down. You know, we talked about how it affected the pay per view numbers and everything like that. We probably spent a half an hour on the podcast talking about it one week. Maybe, well, maybe not that, but you know what I mean. How much time did those people over there spend on you? talking about the money you know that people here listening to this podcast in the uk and ireland uh were, were out of pocket and everything like that now i'd be thinking about that the next time i'm, I'm signing up for a patreon or something like that so there there you go anyway but yeah you know what i mean it's i think it's a big issue and i'm glad that i, I feel like i've covered it well uh, i feel like i've spoken about it the way i did i've contacted the ufc to ask them about it and i've let you know exactly what they've said about and different things uh, like that and i can 
continue to do that. And I know some people don't like it. Some people say, oh, why are you crying about the pay-per-view price? But, you know, m- most of the people listening to this podcast know exactly why. Because it's an absolute fucking joke. Let's be honest. And I'll keep saying it. And I'll keep doing it uh, for, you know, for myself and for you. Every, everyone, you know, in, in the UK and Ireland. I think everyone agrees that this is a disgraceful uh, situation. The card last night was really, really good. And lo- lots of people say, oh, sure, the card was good. It was worth 20 quid. But that's not the point of it. Last night, I remember it was, it was uh, I think, exactly 6 a.m. when that card ended. And now that is, that is too much. To be paying that much money, you know, the price of an anti-Joshua Vladimir Klitschko fight to stay up until 6 a.m., I think that's a bit much, to be honest. And, you know, we obviously we've talked about it last week and we talked about it over and over again. Uh, but, you know, despite the card being really, really good, I don't think that's... <laughs> I don't think that's enough of a of an argument to say like you know um, to to say it was worth the money or whatever. I just don't think that that's it at all. Like the easy answer to that is, um, imagine you know people say imagine missing the card. Like imagine every making everyone miss the card by charging money for it. That's that, that's actually a stronger argument, I think. Though BT and the UFC together, whoever's decision it was, they seem to be putting it back and forth on each other. They missed loads, made, made loads of people miss this card because of charging the money. So blame them rather than blaming yourself for not paying the 25 euro. That's what I think, anyway. But however, right, let's get into this card here. And I suppose the, the main event was, well, well, before the main event, Masvidal versus Askren. And... You know, I suppose a lot of people are kind of on the fence about this fight. I went back and listened to the podcast from last week where we were talking about it. And, you know, myself and Graham were probably both saying, uh, you know, if Ashton can get him down and hold him now 50 minutes, he'll win. But I made the point, and I think it's a very valuable point, um, that happens in fights like this. Like, you know, a Habib McGregor fight or like, you know, anyone with like a really, really heavy wrestling uh, base who is also not a great striker now Habib is a lot better striker than than uh, Ben Askren don't get me wrong and he proved that against McGregor knocking him down but if you get that chance on the feet and you're a lot better striker than them there's always that chance that you're going to ch- take that chance and now Masvidal didn't need much of a chance the fastest KO in UFC history five seconds that was that was mad like that was absolutely insane he took his chance immediately look he said it afterwards that he, he had planned it he didn't plan to throw it straight away after five seconds necessarily but he planned to take his chance he planned to throw that big big shot and, and you know let it go on him and you know Askren took the bait really really easily I suppose you know Masvidal came out hands behind his back Askren thought oh look at my dinner there I'm gonna eat this up I'm gonna take him down it's gonna be so easy and he ran straight in head cocked inside trying to take him down two hands got around the back of Masvidal and Masvidal thumps him sprints forward and smashes him right in the head with a flying knee just absolutely brilliant well executed and I suppose the only thing I could think of was me for about the the three weeks after Conor McGregor fought uh, Habib Nurmagomedov and he threw the exact same flying knee on Habib hit him in the shoulder and Habib was able to take him down it was the same situation basically you know it was a few seconds in it was probably you know it was maybe 15 seconds in rather than 5 seconds in or you know maybe longer I need to go back and watch that fight again but you know what I mean he tried to do the exact same thing and I thought that was weird that the way you know it can go so well for you and so badly for you and I think Against Habib, it's a more low percentage shot than it is against Ben Askren. But if you'd asked me beforehand, was that the right thing to do against Ben Askren? I would have said definitely not. But, but you know, uh, the, that's how the cookie crumbles, I suppose. And 
Masvidal went balls out. He went for it. You you know, you can fault him for that, even though I suppose I could have faulted him for that because I faulted McGregor for that. But however, you know, he landed it beautifully, beautifully executed and... You know, afterwards there was that those two shots. Afterwards, he did uh, he did taunt him. He was kind of tapping the floor and stuff. And I'm kind of in two minds on that because <clears throat> obviously there was a lot of shy talk before. And when you fight Masvidal, you know that's what you're getting. He is, you know, no punk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, to to sound really really uncool, he that's the type of guy he is. You know, he talks before. And if you talk, or if you talk before, he'll talk before, and he'll talk after as well. He's not a sort of guy that it's it's squashed when the fight's over. That's just the sort of guy he is. You know, he was fighting in backyards over in Florida with Kimbo Slice. You know, beating lads up in in a rope cage. You know, that's that's what Masvidal. He's a rough guy. There's there's no fucking fucking about with him. This is not, you know, okay, it's a sport to him and all, but this is fighting at the end of the day to him. This is warfare. This is going in there and kill or be killed, and. You know, he killed Askren to, to put it to put it bluntly, I suppose, on, on Saturday night and um you know okay, I don't like that personally. I would rather if he didn't go in and, and taunt him afterwards. The two punches were a little bit different, I think. There was a great angle actually I think it was after Masvidal's interview or maybe during Masvidal's interview, where they showed an angle behind Masvidal after he hit Askren with the knee so Askren was on the ground with kind of his head down and from that angle the first punch Masvidal couldn't see that Askren was out he obviously saw that he was knocked down but I don't think he could see he was out out and that one big punch was you know was was definitely legitimate legitimate for me from that angle but the second one he knew well he was out I think but it's not the most egregious one ever. I don't think it was one where, you know, he knocked him clean out, he was out, and then he went down and it was just absolutely dirty. I think it was a bit dirty, let's be honest. I'm not sugarcoating it or anything. But from that angle, that angle really made me think. Uh, before that, I was thinking, no, this is dirty. This is fucking, you know, this is really shitty. He shouldn't have done that. But then I saw that angle. If you go back and look at it again, uh, from that angle behind Masvidal, kind of from where Herzog was, and uh, I thought it was okay, to be honest. I was, it was okay after that. Uh, Jess Herzog, the referee, could he have been in a little bit quicker? Probably not. No, I think he did a good job. You're, you know, you're, it's, it's bad to say he, you were not expecting in a KO after 5 seconds of fastest KO in UFC history but he should be expecting I think he probably was uh, expecting it and it, when it came he, he came pretty quickly there isn't much you can actually do but I wouldn't fault him for that and you know we'll probably talk about it more when myself and Graham come on but Masvidal now you have to think about him for a, for a title shot you know beating Ben Askren beating Darren Till they were two top contenders looking at title shots uh, in the very near future and he's beating both of them so who deserves it more you know you can say Colby Covington and he's fighting Robbie Lawler coming up but I'd much rather see Usman versus um, versus Masvidal than Covington versus Masvidal to be honest so let's make that fight Ben Askren it's obviously going to take him a good bit of time now to come back that was a nasty nasty KO absolutely comatose on the ground knocked out really really badly so it's going to take time uh, for him to come back so look at Askren in the UFC this is this is what we predicted myself and Graham told you this was going to happen you know Ben Askren's going to get knocked out in the UFC badly because he can't strike to put it bluntly even look at his uh look at his workout before the fight 
he can't strike you know he has no striking all he is is wrestling and when you're so one-dimensional like that you're going to get found out it's not a case of you know they, they talk about a habib or conor mcgregor oh they're going to get found out you know mcgregor is a good wrestler he's good jujitsu he can you know he's not he's not damien Maya. he's not habib by, by any stretch of the imagination and you know he's the best striker in the ufc but he can he's good everywhere. Look at look at the, that Nate Diaz fight. Look at Habib fight. He went four rounds with Habib, you know, three of which were on the ground. And it took until the very end until he got tired and kind of you know was beaten down and you know beaten the, the fight was beaten out of him before he actually succumbed to Habib. So that tells you like he's well able to, to fight there. You know, you look at Habib, he struck on the feet with McGregor. You know, people saying he's one dimensional, he's, he's good striker. But Ben Askren could not strike on the feet with anyone. You know, he's going to get destroyed on the feet. He needs to get the fight to the ground. He's so utterly one dimensional that it can't, he can't but be found out. You know, and it's it's rare these days in MMA that people are actually found out because everyone is kind of, it's just they're beaten by a better man on the night. You know, this guy has a better uh, skill set than him, but, you know, not much. And he's a better, um, a better game plan or whatever. It's very rare that someone is so utterly one-dimensional that I can come on here and say they're found out. You you know, people listen to this podcast every week. Well, no, I don't say that. I don't say people were found out. That's just not a thing. But Askren was found out. And I know it's five seconds and say, oh, he's found out. But he will get found out more again. Robbie Lawler found him out as well. He was landing those, those big shots until he got that that kind of the lucky referee finish. Uh, and I suppose we'll, we'll see again in the future. But, you know, he's... That, that game plan, that... You know, it's not sustainable. I really think it's not sustainable, and I think he'll he'll probably end up getting out, not getting knocked out more in his career because, uh, you you know you can't keep going like that with with absolutely no striking. But however, uh, right, let's uh, move on. I'll talk about a couple of the undercard fights before I get. Uh, up to the top with Chancellor Encounter and Julia Villa both looked uh, relatively good winning decisions on the undercard. Edmund Shabazian looked absolutely fantastic, just absolutely bodied uh, Jack Mar- Marshman and ended up getting the the submission there. You know, he's the, the, the Ronda Rousey phenom kind of... Um, you know, looked looked really great there again. Song Yedong with the he countered a leg kick uh, and landed a big right hand, and there was that absolutely beautiful uh, three sixty camera shot, which was fantastic. They used it a few times during the fight. It was absolutely brilliant. He was fighting Alejandro Perez, uh, and he looked really, really good. And Claudia Gadelia, one of our bets of the week, uh, came out. We didn't have the greatest time with the bets of the week this week, but however, uh, Claudia Gadelia came out and won the unanimous decision against Randa Marcos. It was one of those fights where Marcos came out. And who's in her corner? Uh, Mark Henry <laughs> came out with a really bad game plan, just fighting off her back foot. She, you know, try, I don't know what her plan was, leaning the head forward. Was she trying to like look for a kick up through the the body up to the head and trying to get a takedown from it? I'm not really sure to be honest. She was trying to counter against someone who was a way better athlete and way faster than her, which to me makes absolutely no sense. But however, Claudia easily won round one and two, one and three. Sorry. Round two was pretty close, uh, and uh, uh, you know she won the unanimous decision uh, there in that. Um, after that, then Marlon Chito Vera won a, with a, just a magnificent submission. He just decided, "Fuck this! I'm going to submit this guy," and, and he did that. It was a good fight for the for the round and a half it went on. Um, and then Arnold Allen absolutely, you know. Just beat Gilbert Menendez down over three rounds. I thought there was going to be a stoppage at one stage, but Gilbert Menendez is tough as hell, and he just took it. But this was generation versus generation. He's Arnold Allen is a is just a, 
uh, you know, he's a re-up of, of Gilbert Melendez. He is a glow-up of Gilbert, Gilbert Melendez. He is better than the former generation. Gilbert Melendez is still that former generation. He hasn't won a fight since 2013. So that tells you a lot about Gi- uh, Gilbert Melendez. You know, he hasn't won since... Um, since that uh, that fight against uh, against Diego Sanchez, who was in the next fight, obviously against Michael Chiesa, and I mentioned it a bit uh, at the start, but it was it was Chiesa taking him down, basically, uh, you know, getting on top of him, getting the back, trying to get chokes and stuff. Diego Sanchez, as we kind of talked about in the podcast last week, really, really good defensively, really good jujitsu, and I think people don't realize that with Diego how good he actually is there, but he is. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he did well to get to the decision. You know, it was obviously Diego. It wasn't as bad as Gilbert Melendez Arnold Allen in terms of next generation. But Diego got well and truly beaten here. Uh, Chiesa, a much bigger fighter. I, I don't like Diego at 170 at all. I don't I don't think he, it's his division. Um, but I don't think Diego is one of those guys like a BJ Payne or even like Gilbert last night who I'd never want to see fight again. I wouldn't mind seeing Gilbert in, you know, with guys who are going to bring him good fights. You know, maybe that Clay Guida re- rematch or something like that. Or, you know, even even a Gilbert rematch. How about that? But I, I don't know. Um... I, I've no problem seeing Diego fight again. I'd obviously love to see a guy like that retire because he's not going to win any championships. He's, I don't think he's much more to do in the sport. But, you know, he he, he went three rounds with Michael Chiesa. Looked okay. Obviously got beaten heavily in all three rounds. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it wasn't the worst. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Masvidal Askren there. And then Jan Blachowicz versus Luke Rockhold. This was this was just a typical Luke Rockhold fight, really, wasn't it? Um, Luke almost got KO. Uh, you, Luke almost got KO. The KO at the the uh, end of the first round on the bell. Uh, there was a lot of clinching, a lot of uh, head kicks um, in the. Or sorry, Blachowicz almost KO'd Luke at the end of the first. There was a lot of uh, a lot of clinching, a lot of head kicks from Luke in in the first round, and I was I was looking at his strategy, and I was thinking. You know what's he actually doing here? You know, is is this strategy to is this strategy to um, to tire out Blahovic a little bit? Is this strategy to test his cardio gone up to two or five? What is the strategy here? I, I was I don't know really. Was it to land a big kick? Like to me, Luke Rockhold, and I saw a few people saying he looked like he did against Bisping. He looked cocky. He was going in there, you know, like he was going up to in to pick up a package at the post office. Just I didn't see that. I I thought Luke looked grand. I thought he went out and he tried to do what he would normally do. I think he looked focused and all like that. But I just don't think it was there. You know, Luke Rockhold has one fight in 2016, one fight in 2017, one fight in 2018, and now one fight in 2019. That's not fully in an MMA. You know, he's not fighting regularly. He's doing modeling. He's doing different things. I don't think he's fully in an MMA, to be honest. I said that before the fight as well. Uh, so this isn't, you know, being a general after the battle or whatever that thing Graham says is. Um, uh, I just, he didn't look good to me at all. He looked like a guy who wasn't properly trained for this fight. He didn't look like he took the weight well at all. He looked like it was heavy on him. Um and you know Blahovic was coming into that fight all Luke was doing winning that fight was getting the clinch uh and you know throwing those head kicks which Blahovic was was blocking almost all of them I think one kind of got, got in and hit him all right but you know Blahovic looked very dangerous from the breaks and that's where he hit him you know hit him with that back big left hook and, and knocked him out and you know it's the case again I suppose of of Luke Rockhold having you know five career losses now five losses by KO so 
you know, Luke Rockhold, he's a bit chinny. Let's be honest here. If he, when he gets hit, he goes down and he gets knocked out. And that's only going to be escalated, I think, at 205. Although he doesn't have the weight cut and stuff like that. But he got hit with one shot now and he got knocked out. So I don't, I don't think... I don't think that's a thing that's ever going to leave Luke Rockhold's career when he gets hit like that with a shot. You know, I suppose it would have knocked out most people, but it'll definitely knock out him. And that's unfortunate. You know, Blahovich landed that great shot, and you know he's on a, you know he's on a steam here now. I suppose the last few years, Blahovich, and he's a guy you don't underestimate at all. Okay, he lost to Thiago Santos, but you know he beat Nikita Krylov before that. He beat uh, Jimmy Manu at Jared Cannonier, who's on a run at the moment, doing really, really uh, well as well, and beat Devin Clark. So you know Blahovich is is absolutely no joke, and take nothing away from him, but. I think Luke Rockhold's time is up. I, I, I really, I don't think he's getting back to um, to a championship level. I think his head is out of MMA. Um, and, you know, he could go on and he'll win lots of fights and stuff as well. But I don't think he'll win any top-level fights anymore. I really don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and then the, the, the two title fights, Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm and John Jones versus Thiago Santos. Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm first, I suppose. And... You know, this very quickly turned out of the fight that a lot of people probably thought it would be. You know, Holly was very, very defensive on the back foot, as she always is, and trying to land her counters on the inside. But she realized straight away that she couldn't break that distance quicker than Amanda Nunes could. Uh, she wasn't as fast as Amanda Nunes. She wasn't as strong. She couldn't hit as hard. Her striking is, is good. She was landing a few shots inside, but Amanda Nunes... Like, against Tally Holm, what we always say is it's very hard to break that distance and break the ultra-defensive game plan. But Amanda Nunes did it in the first round. You know, it's... Against Holly Holm, maybe it's a, a you know a thing of you over the second over the you know third, fourth, fifth rounds. Maybe you can come on, you can figure her out a little bit, and you can beat her down there. You can you know you can find ways to get inside. Maybe she slows down a little bit, and you can that ultra defensive thing is hard to break down. Amanda Nunes did it straight away. Basically, she just you know she 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 didn't do it straight away. Maybe it took her two or three minutes, but she was coming in. She was landing shots. She landed that big head kick at one stage before the the final head kick. She was doing a, a great job. Now Holly was doing okay as well. She was landing a few counters and stuff like that. But there was one stage of the fight, I think after maybe four minutes or something like that. And Holly Holm actually just started exchanging with her. And it was only a brief period. You know, you probably it was just something I kind of took out. You probably don't even uh, remember it or whatever. But to me, that the fight was lost at that stage. Because if Holly Holm is, is exchanging with Amanda Nunes, you know, that's bad. You you don't want to be doing that against Amanda Nunes. You want to be playing your game plan. You want to be playing that far out defensive game plan and she couldn't do it. And in the second round in, Amanda Nunes will land the more. The head kick was opened up by left hook. If you look about ten seconds before the head kick, Nunes threw the, the left uh the left hand, the left hook inside. And I said I was watching with, with Patrick here and I said it to him, She's gonna throw that head kick. The right side is open because she's looking for that left hook now. She has left this right side of her head wide open. And that she did, and she came up over the top and and threw the the right hand or the, the right uh, leg kick but it was only a matter of time i think whatever she was going to land she was going to land it was really intelligent as well because <clears throat> you know we a lot of the time we talk about amanda nunes and it's her power it's her athleticism uh it's her speed but this was intelligence too and she's shown that before but i think it's it's very important to mention it again she saw that right hand side was was wide open and she went for it and she attacked it and it was uh it was absolutely brilliant like who's going to be next for her? i want to see that cyborg rematch i thought that they should have made that straight away, but I think they're making our cyborgs fighting uh, Felicia Spencer, I believe, next week, and it's big fans, f- the fans, chance 
for Felicia as well. If she wins that fight, she'll probably be fighting Amanda Nunes. So Amanda Nunes looks like the only champ champ who can actually defend both belts, which uh, is really, really good. It was another easy fight here. She didn't basically didn't get touched uh, in this fight, and, and she'll be she'll be ready again. I'm sure Cyborg will as well after she fights next. Or is it not, maybe it's three weeks' time. I don't think it's next week. It's next pay-per-view anyway, but there's two pay-per-views this month. So there you go. Right, this, this main event, so... Uh, and I, I suppose to uh, to give my rating first of all before the for the Amanda Nunes fight here, um, I, I think I think it was a, a five point one the Amanda Nunes uh, Holly Holm fight. No, I actually I've kind of written out here my um, my uh, you know my my uh, rating system. So if you if you go between nine and ten. It's greatest fight ever you're looking at there. You're looking at, you know, John Jones versus Alexander Gustafsson one. You're looking at Adesanya versus Gastelum. Um, between eight and eight and a nine, it's going to be fight of the year. So, like a top fight, the one you'd only see once a year, maybe twice a year. Uh, between seven and eight, uh, it's a great fight. A fight of the night, really, really good fight. Uh, maybe maybe even better than a fight of the night of you know the best fight you'd see in like the the uh, a three month period or something like that six and seven very very good fight fight at night kind of a, a thing as well um you know if in a, in a maybe an, a pay per view would not brilliant fights with the best fight in that between five and six is a good fight but lacking usually one-sided that's why i gave this uh nunez uh holly Holm fight 5.1 because i think it's it was pretty one-sided um so that's that uh between four and five it's an okay fight you know it's a fight that was okay not not bad not great uh between three and four it's a bad fight but with some skill probably usually one-sided as well or you know with takedowns and a lad lying on top of another lad or something like that um between two and three is a bad bad fight so you know just a fight that there isn't really much skill there isn't um you know it's just a back and forth maybe like a wrestler versus a wrestler in a kickboxing match something like that between one and two is absolutely terrible fight you know a, a fight that you'd never ever want to watch again just boring as fuck and in between zero and one is like worst fight ever you're getting into francis ingano uh Derek lewis territory there so that, i think that'd be a bit more clear and i might mention it again on the podcast uh next week and stuff like that uh just to kind of keep that going yeah but 5.1 for um Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm and then for for John Jones versus Thiago Santos I'm giving that a 6.1 uh, I suppose you know I said that is um a good fight you know close to uh fight at night and I think it was a good fight uh, and it wasn't <clears throat> a good fight in terms of John Jones Alexander Gustafsson you know it wasn't a, a greatest fight ever it wasn't a, a brilliant brilliant fight like that but to me I really enjoyed it for the the kind of the, the tactical uh matchup the the way Thiago Santos rose to the occasion I thought it was really really good like this might be one of the best losing performances in UFC history just because of who it was against and he could have won that fight it was very very close I uh, personally I thought I you know I need to watch this fight back again I was, I was watching it over in uh, Patrick's house there in Pepper view uh, last night so i don't have the uh, the replay at the moment i haven't had a chance to watch it yet obviously with the, everything busy and also on the, the podcast later in the week i might uh, i might discuss that but i just had jones i think it all came down to the second uh although just the scorecards were a little bit weird four and five i thought two of the judges got them both wrong uh and i, I, I okay i must watch it again but i don't I, I think four three and four john jones won I think one and five, Chago Santos won. And you have to remember as well, when scoring fights, okay, if you're scoring at home, I'm not saying the judges do this, but if you're scoring at home, you have to remember, this is fighter A versus fighter B. This is not John Jones versus Chago Santos. You have to remember that as well, because there is a tendency to think, oh, Jesus, Chago's doing way better than I thought. 
John Jones was not doing as well. Gee, this is the best fighter ever. Oh, you know, he lost that round. And that's not always necessarily the case. And I think the second round might have been around like that. Although I think it was a very, very, very close. At the time, I, you know, I was I was scoring it as I was going. And the second round, I wasn't sure. Like, I wasn't. I was, I don't know. I'd, and I need to watch it again. But, you know, I think the other, <clears throat> the other four rounds were, were straightforward enough. Even though some of the judges got them, you know, wrong. Which, I don't know what happened there. But. Yeah, it was you know it was a very very good fight and it was no robbery anyway. I I put it that way. Forty eight, forty seven, either way. I think was the was the perfect score and they all got that right. So that's you know that's definitely one saving grace. But you know Tiago Santos, what what did he actually do? And I I thought what he did extremely well. And I no to me I I said he needs to come out here and he needs to try everything and he can't fight a fight like he did and expect to have a good outcome. And I was totally wrong. I didn't think he could do this. And that's why I'm so impressed with it. I just didn't think he could do this at all. I didn't think he could stand there on the back foot, leg kick John Jones. You know, defend pretty well and land some big shots when he did. Now Jones, I think. <clears throat> you know, people know how good Jones is defensively, but his head movement and his ability to roll with shots, <coughs> as I choke the fucking dead here, is unbelievable. He, Chaco Santos got so many, openings is the wrong word, but you know, he got so many chances and he took so many chances last night to, to throw into those perceived openings. That John Jones missing him was absolutely fantastic. You know, his ability to, to dodge those shots and his ability to just move away from him is absolutely brilliant. And I think the thing we always kind of say with John Jones is that he fights guys where they're really good and he beats them there. And he, he does do that and he said it afterwards again. And he kind of did that last night. Although I don't think... I, okay, it's, it's hard to say that I don't think it's a smart strategy because John Jones has won every fight he's ever fought against, except Matt Hamill, I suppose. So that's a stupid thing for me to say. Let's be honest. But I'm going to say it anyway. I don't think it's the smartest thing to, to do. Um... And I don't think he can, he can he can keep doing that. He will eventually lose, but I don't know. I feel stupid for for just saying this now. But against Thiago Santos, that's a fight that shouldn't have been nearly as close as it was, maybe, uh, from John Jones's perspective. But to me, kind of, and I'll run through the rounds. What happened in a second? But to me, Thiago Santos's variation of not just strikes, but variation of movement and stances was something I don't think John Jones was expecting. You know, he moves and he he does all different things in his fights. But I like Thiago Santos came out straight away in Southpaw, and I heard John Jones's corner. I believe it was Greg Jackson run. He's in Southpaw. He's in Southpaw. Like not not in so much of a panic as in okay, John, you need to adjust here. But think about that. You're fighting John Jones, right? And you're the one you should think that needs to be doing the adjusting. You know, you're the one that needs to be figuring out John Jones doing different things. And from five seconds in, listen to the listen to the the uh, the fight back. Just the first five ten seconds. Greg Jackson roaring, panicking, adjust, 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 basically to John Jones. That's what you need to do against John Jones. You know, and I think maybe if he had just gone balls out in and tried to land those big shots, you know, he might have maybe not. He might have won, but he might have had a better chance of winning. But that I'm wrong in that too because he did great. He almost won. You know, there's definitely a scorecard you could have given for Thiago Santos there, but that 
does change stances. The fact that he was attacking the legs, he knocked John Jones down with a leg kick very early, hurt him with that leg kick, big welt on the inside of his leg. You know, he was he was landing little jabs at the body nice. He was throwing those big shots over the top. Okay, and not many of them landed. A few of them did land. Uh, but I thought it was brilliant the way he did that. Now, John Jones did figure him out in rounds three and four. His ability to cut off the cage was brilliant. And it was obviously with the, the hurt knee as well. Uh, Tiago Santos, I believe, threw a kick and came down and landed on his knee and it went. And I think his other leg went as well. Because he, he threw a kick and he hit his foot. And it looked really, really bad. You know, it was one of those ones that was kind of click like that. And you can hear it and just like slapping the the you know the top of your foot right off the, the knee or you know some sort of bone and John John has bony legs at the best of times anyway so it's always going to hurt I think I really think Thiago Santos was fighting on zero legs you know he was uh, and he, as he went into the four and fifth round his knees were buckling under him and he was in bits and he still went to the decision and still could have won against John John absolutely fantastic you know brilliant display and to me after the four round I was like okay could be 2-2 here maybe 3-1 John Jones uh, but I think Tiago Santos' uh, race is run. I think he, he's just done at this stage. But I think he won the fifth round. You know, he came on strong, landed lots of big shots. And you know, we, talk, we talk about judging, obviously, a lot on, on this podcast. But those big shots tell a lot as well. And in that second round as well, okay, okay, I'll, you know, I'll talk about the, you know, the, the fight so and kind of what happened uh, here. Because that second round was was a huge round. You know, in the first, Santos' leg kicks hitting the exchanges. He landed that Leota Machida left hand inside. He'll straight down the middle. I think it was in the start of the second, he landed the big shot, which John Jones said hurt him a little bit, where uh, he knocked out the uh, the mouthpiece. But the second was close. Uh, Santos hurt his leg twice. Uh, Jones half knocked him down with that kick kind of to the chest. Uh, and Santos came close with a couple of big ones. But that kind of knockdown, you know, where he kicked him in the chest and he kind of fell... Right. I'm not even sure if that was a knockdown watching on TV. And, you know, if you're the judge and you're sitting maybe right behind it and you can't really see it, you're at the other side of the cage and you do see it, or you're, you know, you're the third judge and you're not really sure, that can happen. And, you know, if you count that as a knockdown and you score that for John Jones round two, he wins the fight because of that. If you see it and you're in the right position and you don't score it as a knockdown and you score that round for Thiago Santos, then he wins the fight. That is the close margin of it, especially with this new scoring system where those big effective shots are worth more than everything else. So that's how close these fights are. Judging position uh, can win a fight. That is madness, like how close this fight was. And I don't think anyone expected that. You know, I suppose (coughs) it got into them. He got into the third in, and Jones got a bit of a knock. I, I think it was a knockdown with a right hand. It's hard to tell with Thiago Santos's ne- uh, knees, the way they were buckling and stuff like that. And you could see afterwards, he tried to spin, and he just couldn't. His knee was really, really bad, and Jones won that round in the fourth. Uh, Jones was dominating that round, to be honest. And uh, You know, okay, I need to watch it again, but uh, Santos getting that round and two judges' scorecards was, was bad to me. Uh, he was going forward, Jones was, and this was kind of the round where I thought... Um, Jesus, should he be playing this game? But, you know, Santos was getting tired. Definitely looked to be getting tired. And he hurt his leg again. Uh, and in the 15, Santos had those bad knees. But he was landing those big shots. And he was doing, you know, doing a really, really good job of, of landing those big shots when he needed to. And, and it, you know, it was, it was really, really good. Um... Uh, but, you know, overall, I think the judges just got it right, even though they went about it maybe a weird sort of way. If you'd scored it for Santos, I nearly scored it for Santos. I, I was like, I, it was one of those ones where I was going to tweet my score and I was like, no, I need to watch this fight back again. And I like to do this podcast before I actually have the, the fight watch back again sometimes. Um, because... <clears throat> That's how you're scoring it in time. You need to score it in real time. You need to have this honest conversation. If I come in here and go, you know, he definitely won it. This is the exact f- score. This is the exact round for a very close fight like that. Now, some 
fights, you know, and especially if they're on it like, you know, Cage Warriors time like last week, I think I could do that better. But when it's, you know, six o'clock in the, in the morning, I'm a bit bleary eyed. I think you need to discuss it in that, that, that kind of, um, you know, way. And, and I'll continue to do that. But it was definitely a close fight. And, you know, fair play to Thiago Santos uh, and everything like that. It was, it was very, very, um, very very good display and fair to play to john jones as well you know he, he came out and he fought a, a good fight and won that and as i said 6.1 so not uh, not too bad all right that's where i'm going to leave it lads i'm going to answer all your questions in the q a it'll probably be a day late this week um if, if not a little bit more but this i've this podcast anyway i've had it's nearly 35 minutes anyway so this should keep you going um and uh, i really appreciate everyone bearing with us obviously it's you know a bit of a tough weekend in a tough week as well uh, but i got something out anyway so you're not uh, <laughs> you're not too bad all right everybody i'll see you all next time good luck